Jacob in the Bible. Mom, Jacob in the Bible had an encounter with God. He laid down at night. God interrupted his sleep and he woke up the next day and said, surely God was in this place and I didn't know it. You can be seated. He said, surely God was here and I didn't know it. And the song says, let us become more aware of your presence. And that's my prayer today. Not only for this day, but as we move forward, but we become more and more aware of the presence of God here in these places, but also in our lives during the week. Amen? He is with us more than we know with peace and strength and goodness. Amen. Amen. Well, today, um, just to let you know where we're going, I'm going to go ahead and tell you the outline. I'm going to talk about the Denver Broncos. I'm going to talk about the Bible. And I'm going to talk about Mikey in that order. And so just so we know where we're going today, you know, I've been, um, we have been praying um, that God would move mightily in our midst, especially in a week like this, as you heard Chris talking about one of our very own, one of our brothers um, who's taken, and, and Molly, who's here today, his girlfriend. So we're going to go through Luke. We're, as you know, we're, we're going through Luke for the past year. This is where we are, and this week was planned a, lo- a long time ago, and it lines up with the events of this week in a way that only God could orchestrate. And give me some grace today. (laughs) This is going to be a hard one. Give me some grace. Which is why I put the Bronco story at the beginning. (laughs) Let me ask you a question. Have you ever not had access to something and you watched other people have access and you just thought, oh, if only. Isn't access everything? Ever been backstage at a, a big concert? Ever been, ever been in some of these places where you had access? Well, I was going to a Bronco game. It was the season opener, Thursday night against, that's, Thursday night is the pastor's night because, you know, the rest happens on a Sunday. So Thursday night game, um, Arnie and Scott invited me to go to the season opener. We had second row tickets. It's the Carolina Panthers. It's the kickoff of all the NFL. So everyone's there. There's events there going on all day. And we get there early. And on our drive down, Arnie prays, God, help us be safe and help us have a good time. Amen. And I go, hold on, hold on. I say, God, we're four of your favorite sons. Open up amazing things for us. Like, just surprise us today. We're just here doing this. I pray you just surprise us. Well, we got down there. We, went, we didn't go to the stadium first. We went to, um, I can't remember the name of the place. What? Civic the Civic Park. Thank you. Bronco fan number one. Civic Park. And at Civic Park, there were thousands upon thousands upon thousands of fans. More Bronco jerseys than you see on the field or on in a team. I mean, there was just Bronco everywhere. And we're there, and we're walking around, and there's some people there that I want to see. St. Carl Mecklenburg. St. Champ Bailey, defender of the secondary. And my all-time favorite player, Steve Atwater. I'd met Steve years ago in Atlanta. We did the Habitat together. He was going to be, they were all going to be there signing autographs. And there was the Lombardi Award trophy. There was all these, the rings were there. But it was packed. And we walked around trying to get access to these places and we had no access. I literally went to go get an autograph from Carl Mecklenburg. And the line was so long, I, had to, I couldn't do it. And then, and then Steve Atwater got up on his podium and he was signing. And I looked and I thought the line was like from here to here. And I was like, great. And then you see that's a walkway. And the line, it's one of those. I was like, I thought he was just mine. I thought I just, I loved him. 
And, and I wanted access. I wanted to go and have Steve Atwater sign my Steve Atwater Super Bowl jersey that I just got for my birthday. I know I'm just geeking out right here. I, I can't help it. <laughs> to the point where I took a, quite a, a sizable amount of cash out of my pocket and was walking up near the front of the line and going to ask a guy who looked nefarious enough to let me get in line in front of him, hey man, here's some money. Just let me get in line. When I got up there to ask him, I saw that he had a wristband on. And I looked and they all had wristbands on. Oh. I go, hey man, what's with the wristband? He goes, oh, you have to have one to get in this line. I say, I have to get in a line to get a wristband, to get in a line, to get an autograph? He goes, yeah, man. You, gotta, you, gotta get, you, you can't get in the line unless you have this from, from that line. I looked at that line and it was longer than this line. And I thought, there's not enough time for me to get that line, this... I do not have the access I want. Isn't that frustrating? You ever been there in life where you, you see it, you can almost taste it, but you can't have it? So we, I said, that's it. He said, guys, it's okay. It's okay. Uh, let's go ahead and let's, let's go. And so we left. Well, we left the area with Steve. We, just, we were going to meander around. Now, one thing about me, if you hang out with me long enough, is you know that I am an opportunist. I believe God opens doors for me everywhere, and I'm not afraid to look for them. And when I find an opportunity, I find the best way is a full frontal assault. Just ask about it or do whatever. You know, just come on. If you see an opportunity, take it. I see a young woman who has um, a VIP pass on. And I see in my, her bag as I walk by about 10 more VIP passes and some, coo some koozies. Some koozies. I don't need a koozie. But I'll tell you what I do want. I, I walk up to her, and I put on this just really pastoral minister grin. Man of, man of God, I say, what's the chances of me and my buddies, three buddies here, getting some VIP passes? Just us. She looks me over, looks them over. She goes, okay, okay. She pulls out VIP passes, puts it over my oh. <laughs> oh, God, God is in every moment. I don't know what I'm a VIP to. I have no idea what VIP pass I've just been given. <laughs> I just know I have it, and I'm so excited. I'm just going to try to start walking in areas. I go, well, where do we go with this? She goes, I don't know. <laughs> this is the worst VIP pass ever. <laughs> I just get to wear it. <laughs> look important. It's like, you know, she goes, some McNichols thing. Uh, okay. So we find a way to a McNichols and there's a door that says VIP. We get there, we get wanded, like you know they check us for guns, which you know something good's inside there. Four guys from Carbondale walk up these stairs into a vaulted room with people in suits everywhere. And their VIP passes said NFL, NFL Network, other networks, all access. There were not that many jerseys up there from the thousands and thousands of jerseys down there with the peasants. <laughs> up here where we were, <laughs> there was only a handful, and we were four of them. We walked in, and there was food wall to wall. There, were, there was an open bar with bottles I can't even afford to say. <laughs> uh, I mean, and, and, I, and I walk up, and I was like, the, the can I have some more? Like, is this free? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's all free here. So we got like six plates of everything. And, and the lobster, the crab, I'm, I'm just, we're, we saved so much money gorging ourselves. So then, access is everything. Access is everything. I'm like, there's got to be more. This is just, there's got to be more. So I go walk off and wander around. I come back to the table. And I go, guys, when you're done, let me know. Let me know when you're done. Like, what, what'd you find? Just, just let me know. 
we're done. So they started following me, and we walked down some steps and through this little hallway out onto a huge veranda deck that overlooked the entire concert capital area where everyone else was down below, shoulder to shoulder. Uh, One Republic and Dirk somebody were going to play. And, uh, and we were up on this deck, and they, they have all this food, this dessert, more drinks, everything. And I have a policy in my life, and maybe you're like me. I don't care how full I am if there's free crab cakes. I have a rule. I have to, I have, to have one. I have to have a crab cake. So I ugh, just, you know, we're eating. We're so full. We, we, we've had the best day ever. We're yelling best day ever. Um, the VIP pass has turned out. We have access. So I get one, I'm get one more picture. I go get a picture of the... Of, I go to the very edge of the deck and get a picture of everything. And when I'm doing this, Arnie starts tugging on my shirt. And I go, what, man? He goes, Steve Atwater. <laughs> St- Steve, Steve, Steve Atwater. You know, you know. <laughs> I turn around and my friend Jake is, is vamping. So, you like the weather? Like he's just trying to, <laughs> trying to get him to stay there so they can get me. I get back. I, I shake Steve's hand. We get a picture. Exchanged addresses. And we didn't... <laughs> I have his address. No, 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 no. <laughs> Carl Mecklenburg, Up Church. They just the Broncos started pouring in, and, and we had access. Access is everything. I got to go into places that I could never go myself. I didn't get there based on anything that I did that was good. I just got to get in there, based on the kindness of somebody else. Access is everything. And in today's section of scripture, we're going to find that Jesus agrees with us that access is everything. Luke 13, verse 22 through 30. When Jesus went through the towns and villages, at this time he is teaching his way through the cities as he's headed to Jerusalem for the last time. So he's stopping around all the different places, making the most of every opportunity. He was going through the towns, making his teaching through Jerusalem. Someone asked him, Lord, are there only a few people going to be saved? Now, we don't know the motive of this person. It could have been a religious leader who's trying to trap him because there was a huge debate of the rabbis back then of would everyone be saved? Would a few be saved? In fact, there was a a huge Jewish belief during this time that there was salvation by association. In other words, hey, I'm associated with, with, with the children of Israel. We're the chosen people. I'm in. It's, it's salvation through association. I'm just associated, and therefore I'm in. So they don't know why we don't know why they're asking. It could be because as Jesus talks about the kingdom of heaven, it sounds different than salvation by association. It sounds like there's there's there's, there's some certain thing that has to happen. And so as we're as we're reading this, they ask him this question. He said, he said to this person, "Make every effort to enter through the narrow door, because many I tell you will try to enter and will not be able to." Now, let me just tell you, um, if, you're, if you're here visiting or if you're kind of new with this, we are going through the Bible, through, through Luke. No matter how hard the, the, the section is, we're dedicated to going through it. And we come to a section today that, that isn't the most fun. We love the Jesus who just is, is lovey-dovey and, and who, you know, we love that. This is one of those that's a little bit harsh, and we're going to see that. But we're going to open it up and see what he's saying below this, okay? So stick with me as he says this. I tell you the truth, there's a narrow gate, many will, narrow door, many will try to get in but will not be able to. Now, let, let's stop right here. See, this isn't a new or strange statement by Jesus to say that there's a narrow door. He talks in these kind of pictures often. He talked earlier about in John 10, 7, he said, Therefore, Jesus said, Very truly I tell you, I am the gate. 
I am the gate and whoever enters through me will be saved. He says, I am the gate. Whoever enters in through me will be, will be saved. So he's using this language of the narrow door that he's the gate. He uses this kind of things. And, and I just want to go into something, and, and I am very passionate today for very obvious reasons. This is on my heart. But I, and and I'm, I know that there will be some ruffled feathers spiritually, and I'm okay with that. I want to have a conversation afterwards, perhaps. Okay? Because there's something in this world that, that dislikes absolute truth. We're living in a day and age where we live in a world, a postmodern world, where truth is relative. See, we, have, we each have our own truth. My, my truth for me is different than your truth for you. And so the word truth loses all sense of truthiness. <laughs> well, there is no truth if it's all truth. There's no truth if truth is all relative. We don't like absolutes. See, we, we, say, we say this, I don't like that there's only one way to heaven. I don't like that. I believe there's many ways that all lead to the same destination and that feels better and so we make that our truth. But feeling it and stating it doesn't make it truth. And we live in a world that resists any sort of absolute. In fact, in this day and age, oftentimes truth is obedient to our emotions. As I go through life and have different experiences, I form different truths. Well, I used to believe this, but they made me mad, and now this is the truth, and now this is the truth, and I'm gathering a buffet of beliefs based on what I like, discarding what doesn't feel good, and that is my truth. In reality, the absolute truth is truth regardless of how I feel, by its very nature. This is becoming more and more a reality in, in younger and younger generations who actually are going through life believing that every feeling needs to be protected because it's their truth. And there is no truth larger than the individual personal truth. And so because of that, it's hard to talk about Jesus being one way. It doesn't feel like a truth I want to have a part of. It doesn't just feel like something that, oh, that's probably right. I, I, I want there to be thousands of ways. I want there to be the unlimited ways See, there's the little T truth that is, is mine and my emotions and my experiences, and there's the big T truth of Jesus. When it comes to spiritual truths, there are absolutes that no matter how I feel and how I believe, it doesn't change. So Jesus wants us to know, and he's gonna tell us here in this section and throughout the other places in the Bible, there, there is an absolute truth spiritually, and he doesn't want any confusion, especially when it comes to him. In John 14, 6, Jesus said, he said, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And no one gets to the Father. Do we have that verse, John 14, 6? I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. No one comes to the Father except for through me. We, we have to stop here. This is the words of Jesus. Do you believe he is who he says he is? If you do, then do you believe that who he is would, 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 would say these things that are true? Is it true when he says it? He says, I, no one gets to the Father except for through me. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. He says, I'm the way, I'm the narrow door, I'm the gate, I'm the access point. Access goes through me. I'm the truth. In a world of relativity, he says, I am the capital T, big T truth. And then I am the life. 
true life. Not only life here on this earth, but true everlasting eternal life after this. Acts 4.12 says, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no one under the name of heaven which we can be saved. It's found in no one else. The Bible is clear and Jesus in his own words are clear. And so when it comes to the idea that there are many paths, just because we prefer that to be true, the absolute truth of Jesus cannot coexist with that belief. If he says, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one gets to the Father except for through me, how does that coexist with another belief? Jesus and the idea that there are many paths are, are completely incongruent. And if Jesus says, he, if Jesus is who he says he is and his words are true, then we have to begin to wrestle with this. And I know that some of us are like, well, yeah, of course I agree. There are some of us that are absolutely right now cannot believe I'm saying these things. There's a spectrum of people in here right now and some of you are maybe very offended. I'm talking about, listen, when there are absolute truths spiritually and I wanna go into those to see more what Jesus has to say to us. If we believe that Jesus, the son of God, is who he says he is, and we can get to heaven through him, but also we can get to heaven any other way. It says more about how we view God than anything else. God sent his son Jesus, the son of God. I don't know if I can believe that God would send his son Jesus to die that sort of death if there were any number of other paths. Again, if there's a pathway to heaven of eating Cheetos in a beanbag watching Broncos, I want that one. And if that one's available, why send your son? If, if you told me if my son Eli had to die so that all you could live, and that was the only way, that's different than if you said, my son Eli has to die so all you can live, but there's any other way you can also live. I, I'm not doing that. I'm not sending my son. Uh, I'm not doing that. And if, did Jesus not know that God sent him and made other ways? Did he not know? Because he's down there thinking he's the only way. We have, to, we have to stop and stop and look at the nature of God, the nature of Jesus. And it feels so exclusive when we say, when Jesus says, I'm the only way. We're gonna see more about the, the nature of God and how he is inviting everyone and all people. And so today, maybe we wrestle with this. Odds are for some of us, this is very hard. I've been praying all week that your spirit would be open to hearing the truth of Jesus, hearing his words as he states from his own mouth who he is and what it means for eternal life. I really want to, cl I want to, I want to clarify this, and I'm sticking with this because in, in, this, in this culture of relativity, we have devalued the absolute truth of Jesus. His words about who he is move down the order when we begin to put things that we like on top of it. It just devalues, it devalues the Savior, devalues the God. He says, I am the narrow door, I am the gate, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He says, make every effort to come to enter through the narrow door because many of you, I tell you, will try to enter and not be able to do so. The word here, make every effort, the, the word used here, is where we get the word agonize. Agonizmai is the word. He's saying agonize to enter through the narrow door. The word also means to strive, struggle, contend, fight. Are we fighting? Are we, listen, we have to ask the question, is he telling us to fight for our salvation? Is he telling us to strive for salvation? Do we have to work to be saved? We know that's not true. The Bible is very clear over and over and over that we cannot be saved through works. You can't do enough good deeds to have your spiritual star chart equal heaven. You don't get to heaven by just doing good. 
Ephesians 2, 8 through 9 says, it's by grace we've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works. There's no works. There's no deeds that can get me this. If we're not striving to earn our salvation through good deeds, why are we making every effort to make it through this narrow door, this narrow path? And here's what I think. A couple different reasons. One is making it through the narrow door is hard enough as it is. Do you know what oftentimes keeps us in our seats or keeps us from engaging with God, keeps us from stepping forward and, and, and committing to following Jesus, to going through this narrow door? is pride. And, and I've been there. I mean, when you've been walking your own way for so long, it is hard to, it's hard to adjust. Or when you're in a, in a room with people and, and, and there's an opportunity, it's hard to stand up and say, I am needy. It, pride keeps us from adjusting. We talked uh, last week, two weeks ago, about adjusting or justify. It's hard to adjust, but we're very good at justifying our beliefs. Another reason is this, that we, have, we need to strive and struggle, is once we become to know Jesus, is the struggle over? Those of, those of you who, who have received Jesus, did, did, your, did, did you start making you know, huge income, sickness go away, uh, your wife just started loving you more, you love your wife more, your kids, they're even handsomer and prettier than they were? I mean, does Jesus solve our struggle? He says he'll be with us in our struggle. In fact, um, the reason that we have to keep striving and struggling and battling is because even, even if we get to the narrow door of Jesus, we have three enemies that are constantly trying to thwart us, attack us, and tempt us. The first one is, um, is the world we live in, the culture we're in. Have you noticed that the culture oftentimes will try to tempt us to live exactly opposite of the way Jesus would ask us? Anybody notice this? You ever watch commercials? I mean, there's just, there's a culture out there that tries to, to get us to, to move in a certain way that God's not inviting us to walk. He's inviting us to walk in godliness and holiness. And the world doesn't agree with that. The other enemy we face is the enemy with, oftentimes within us called, in the Bible, the flesh. That's that part of us that desires sin. That selfish part of us, even if you've loved Jesus your entire life, you find that you're struggling with certain things. This is where lust and anger and rage, bitterness, that still rear their ugly heads. Pride, like we talked about. And the third, third enemy that thwarts us is the enemy, is uh, the accuser, Satan, who's actually at work in this world. And so we do have a battle. We do have a struggle. Not only to get, to get through those things to the narrow door, but after we receive Jesus to continue to walk the narrow path. But he calls us. He calls us to something. He calls us to true life. On this path is life. On this path is a peace that the world cannot offer. On this path is a strength that the world cannot offer. I, I love the offer of Jesus because many people just said, well, he just forgives your past and you go to heaven someday. It's like fire insurance. Someday I won't go have the fire. I got, my, I got it. The offer of Jesus is a beautiful thing. It's that he redeems my, my past, forgives it. It's that he empowers my future, or I'm sorry, my present. And he gives me a hope for my future here on this earth. He, he gives me, a, he gives me um, a purpose greater than I'd ever known. The call of Jesus is a beautiful thing. It's holistic. This word agonisma, agonismi is used over and over in 1 Timothy. This is, this is what I love. It says, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of eternal life to which we're called. 1 Timothy 4.10 says, this is why we labor and strive, agonize, because we put our hope in the living God who is the Savior of all people. 
Listen, there's so many beautiful things about, about struggling, striving, battling to live the life God calls us to. One of my favorite places in Ephesians 4 says this, we are to live a life worthy of our calling. Live a life worthy of your calling. And God's called us to be something, to be a people. He's called you to be a son and daughter of the Most High. It's a battle to live a life worthy of our calling. Back to the text, because it's about to get pretty, even more difficult as if that was even possible. Yeah. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and not be able to do so. And he tells a parable. Once there was an owner of the house. Once the owner of the house gets up and closes the door, you will stand outside knocking and pleading, sir, open the door for us. We have this picture of God, a, a house owner, an owner of a house, his kingdom. His, the house it represents his kingdom. And we see that he is sitting down He's patiently waiting for all to come to him. God has invited everyone to come to his kingdom. He sent his son that we would, find the, that we would follow him. He wants everyone and anyone to come. But there will come a day, the Bible says, where he will stand and close the door. I don't know when that day is. Chris, talked, Chris read some Second Thessalonians about the day when Jesus returns. When these things happen, the door will be closed and many, will, many at that moment will realize, oh no, I missed it. But there will be a day when it's too late. But that's not today. The owner of the house is sitting, inviting, patiently waiting now we have to continue going. This is hard language. Again, I understand. They will say, sir, let us in. And he will answer, I don't know you or where you come from. <laughs> then they plead, we ate and drank with you and you, you taught in our streets. And he says, I don't know you or where you come from. I don't know you or where you come from. Away from me, you evildoers. Oh, Jesus. This isn't what we signed up for, Jesus. Let's get back to love. Where's the love? This is a hard, hard teaching. What is it in, about God that says, I don't know you? These people, they ate and drank with Jesus. They listened to his teachings. They knew him. He did not know them. Let's put it in context. He's speaking to these people and this culture at this time. He's been traveling around the countryside. What's he been doing? Teaching. Have they been listening? Yeah, they've been following around. Have they been eating with him? Has he been feeding the 4,000, the 5,000? Has he gone to the, the houses of many Pharisees? Has he sat there at dinner with them and, and ate with them? Have they changed at all? Some of them have not. He's saying there is no salvation by association. Whatever you believed about that is over. There is no salvation by association. You may eat with me, you may drink with me, you may listen to my teaching as I travel around, but you don't follow me with your heart. You don't follow my teachings. You enjoy the benefits of the kingdom of Jesus. You enjoy the teaching, you might enjoy the people, you might enjoy the fellowship, you might enjoy the food, but that's as far as it goes for you. And you think that by enjoying the benefits of the ministry of Jesus that you're saved. He's telling these people that. There's, there's more than just eating with me, drinking with me, and listening to my teaching. Now, now we, let's put this in our context. In our culture, in 2015, 75% of Americans proclaim to be Christians. 75%. But when you press into that on an individual basis, do you know what you find? 
I say, why are you a Christian? Stats go down. Because I believe in God. Um, I believe in Jesus. Because I go to church. I need to say that, I want, I'm going to say this very clearly. Many people are symbolically eating and drinking and hearing the teachings of Jesus. But they're not following him. They've not stopped their religious activity and made a heart decision. You can be a part of every program a church offers and not know Jesus. See, there's a truth about Jesus that he's not only a teacher who has good things to say, and, and we enjoy the benefits of the body of Christ, and we have meals afterwards, and there's fellowship, and there's growth groups, and we enjoy those benefits. But Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, the only Savior. And through him we have forgiveness of our sins, redemption of our hearts, forgiveness in our, of all that we have done, and an open invitation at the end of our lives. There's a reality about following Jesus that goes beyond the benefits of this right here to a kingdom that he is inviting us into. He's a savior and he's a king. And we might just believe that, you know, I know Jesus died on the cross. Is he king of your life? You follow him. But I ate with you and I drank with you. And I went to church. I listened to teachings. He didn't know me. There are people who will go to church their entire life and will not go to heaven. Going to church doesn't make you a Christian. Going to church is not the narrow door. Believing Jesus merely existed is not the narrow door. It is knowing that without him you cannot save yourself. It's knowing he died and rose again for the forgiveness of your sins, for your salvation. Romans 10, 9 through 10 says, If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it's with your, with your heart that you believe and are justified, and with your mouth you profess your faith and are saved. This is the most fire and brimstone message I've ever given, Charlie. Thanks for the text. <laughs> you know, again, I, I just want to say something. This message was going to be on this week a long time ago. We planned this far in advance. But this week... When Mikey passed, it elevated the reality of this message. <clears throat> a week ago at this very moment, I was speaking, 10.02. I was speaking. A week ago at this very moment, and right here, sat Mikey. And Molly. And the reality of that now he was right there. <laughs> He's just stuck with me all week. I just saw him. Why? He didn't know. I didn't know. None of us know. But this week has stoked a fire in my heart. Let me tell you, let me tell you a little bit what happened. See, there are times in my profession when no amount of schooling can ever prepare you. I got, I, I, Tuesday, I got a text from Jamie, his sister, that said, Mikey, at the hospital, and it's not good. And later, 
my friend Marty, his brother, texted me and said, Marty, I said, Mikey passed. And uh, I got in my car, drove to uh, Valley View, and I got out of my car, and I got to the hospital, and I stopped. I knew that on the other side of this door was the whole family. 20 people just waiting. I don't know what to do. <laughs> just pray, God, give me favor. And they walk in, and for the next however long, I did not say a word. I held Molly. She cried. Marty, family. And then I got to hold Tina, his mom. And there's nothing like that. And Tina told me, she said, I need to talk to you. I need to talk to you now. And so Tina and I walk off down the hallway, and we sit in this little private section, and she looks at me with conviction in her eyes that you don't often see. And she says, you need to reassure me. Where's Mikey? And for the first time that day, God released me to speak. I said, Tina, Mikey's with Jesus. Are you sure? I said, I'm sure. Mikey knows Jesus. And Jesus knows Mikey. See, Mikey had not only been going to our church, he's one of us. He was a member of our church for years. He had not only been going here, He's been eating with us and drinking with us and, and he's been hearing the teaching. He was involved in two growth groups. He was in McGee's growth group this, this very fall. He volunteered with the youth group. He's had many conversations with many of us over the course of years. He was reading through the Bible, like Chris said. And, and if you talk to anybody who knew Mikey, he had some things he always said. He said something about, he, he always say like, um, I want to be a better man. It's a theme of Mikey's. I want to be a godly man. Mikey's been, he went through a lot in his life. I asked Marty, his brother, how Mikey turned it around. Marty just stopped, shook his head and said, man, it's only God. It's only God. And he went on to say, as I was talking about outside of his house, he says, the reason he comes to church, believes in God, is because in watching Mikey's life, he knows God is real. One time in particular, Chris was recounting a story to me where he was with, with Mikey and he flat out asked Mikey. They were, getting, they were friends and Chris wanted to clarify something. Chris just said, man, do you know Jesus? And Mike gave, he said Mike gave his like little charming little small laugh. He goes, yeah. I gave his like, yeah, are you serious? Yes. And Chris like, no, 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 no. I need to know, like, do you know him as your savior? And, and he said that Mikey was sitting down and Mikey was like, yes, I know him. He's like, no, 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 like, do you know where you're going when you die? This was, how many years ago, Chris? One, two? More. He said, during the, that third time he asked, Mikey walks across the room, puts his hands on his shoulders, and gets right in his face. He goes, I know Jesus. I know him. Mikey knew Jesus, and Jesus knew Mikey. He knows Mikey. My conversation with Tina put, my whole life in perspective. What she wanted to know, all she needed to know was the one thing that matters most. See, there are certain times in our life we don't ask, hey, do you think that she earned enough money? Do you think he had enough good experiences? Was she successful? Was he, was he a good friend or was she a good family member? See, at the end of the day, all those things are very important, but they're put into the correct perspective when the one thing that matters most suddenly comes to the surface. 
And that was the question. We get so bogged down and busy with all the other important things that oftentimes we forget the correct perspective of heaven. Do you know Jesus as your savior? Do you follow him? Because at the end, it's not, nothing else will matter. Mikey right now is in heaven, enjoying a benefit of the view of Jesus that we don't have. For us, we get to take this opportunity to look at our own life. So many things go on around us, we get so busy that this question of do we truly know Jesus gets put down the line. And then we go to enough church or we find enough belief in something that we kind of check it off the list even though we've never truly answered it. And for me as a pastor, this is only, and for Charlie, this is only recalibrated the importance of why we do what we do here. You know, we love God, first and foremost. We love people, and we bring life to a community. We have conversations with people, friends like Chris did, because we want, we want all people to know Jesus. We want that, like, like God is sitting down waiting for, for people to come to him. We want that none would perish. We want all to come to him. So let me ask you, do you know Jesus? not as an idea or historical figure, not as a church or religious symbol, not as a man who did something great, not as, yeah, he did this, yeah, he died. Do you know Jesus personally as your savior? At the end of the day, that is the only thing that will matter. Have you believed in your heart and confessed with your mouth that he is Lord, that he lived, that he died, that he rose again, and he gives you all the access you need? Today, I want to give us an opportunity for this. And again, I, I'm, I'm impassioned about today. I want to give us an opportunity. I, I know that there are people in this room who have been in church their whole life and who would say they know Jesus but never made that commitment. Never made that commitment in their heart that I know him as my Lord and Savior and King. There are some of you today who have never been here before some of you have been visiting with us. I don't know your situation. I don't know what, what place you're in today when you're listening to these words. But I do know that Jesus is calling you. He's saying one thing matters. I want to give you an opportunity for this. So the mic is going to come out. The band's going to come out. And um, I, want, I want us to, to step into this. And many times we don't respond because of pride. I, I, know, I know for a fact there's, there's people in here who will not respond to this because they've been in church and they're afraid what the person next to them will think. And I just wanted to ask you, I just want to ask you today, can we, can we check our pride? Can we put it aside and can you forget who's next to you or who's around you or who's watching? And can we just say this is, this is a one-on-one one -on -one conversation. This is between you and the God of the universe. As he, he is asking you this, come to me. Come. And so we're going we're to sing a song about how Jesus came to save us. And um, I want you guys to stand. I want us to respond in song. Today we have communion down here. And we have an open table, which means that we, this is Jesus' the symbol of his blood and his body. We partake as that is the access to us. 
And so you are free to respond through, through communion, through worship. But for some of you, I want you to respond by coming forward and talking to me or Charlie or my dad, pulling us aside because we would love to pray with you and solidify the one thing that matters most. And again, I don't care if you've been in church your whole life or just one day. If God is calling you, if you feel that, come forward. Come find Charlie, myself, or dad. Let's praise God.